see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to the first of what we hope to be many Unpacked with OEM Magazine podcasts. I'm your host, Sean Riley. It's 2021. We are hopefully coming out of a global pandemic that shuttered businesses and eliminated thousands of jobs. Yet despite all of these factors, the packaging and processing workforce continues to struggle to fill legitimate career-providing positions. Today we talk with Editor-in-Chief of OEM Magazine, Stephanie Neal. I love talking with Stephanie because she goes beyond the numbers and the data points and she really gets to the crux of issues like why does manufacturing continue to have a hard time filling these well-paying positions. She also brings a unique perspective with her intimate knowledge of women in the workforce due to her role in PMMI's Packaging and Processing Women's Leadership Network. Let me get out of the way so we can hear what Stephanie thinks can or must change to improve the workforce situation. With all the fancy introductions out of the way, welcome back to the podcast, Stephanie. Thanks, Sean, for having me back. So, Steph, today I want to talk about the workforce, and it's a conversation that we have all the time, particularly in manufacturing, and you not only as the editor-in-chief of OEM Magazine, but also you play a huge role with PMMI's Packaging and Processing Women's Leadership Network, which obviously has their eye on women in the workplace. So with this always kind of being an issue, manufacturing, you know, kind of having a hard time, despite having these, you know, pretty good career level jobs um, open for what feels like years, I I can't imagine that the last 16 months or 17 months um, has helped the situation at all. So I guess to start with, how has that impacted the, the manufacturing workplace, the it being, you know, this little pandemic thing we're going through? Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but unfortunately, the <laughs> workforce situation has gone from bad to worse. Awesome. Yeah. I'm actually working on a story right now that is looking at this 2021 manufacturing talent study that just came out in May from Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute. Um, the pandemic erased 1.4 million U.S. manufacturing jobs. Wow. That is after it took us about six years to successfully add 600,000 jobs. We've kind of recouped some of those jobs, but there's still about a half a million jobs that are unfilled in U.S. manufacturing. And that keeps us on track to that number that's always bandied about, about the 2.1 million unfilled jobs by 2030. I mean, we hear that all the time. But the study also talked about the fact that, and this went out between December and February to about 800 manufacturing professionals in all different industries, not just packaging and processing. So we have to think about all the different segments. But the executives at these manufacturing companies are saying it's 36% harder to find the talent 
um, than it was back in 2018. And we're talking about entry level jobs, Sean. We're not talking about something that you have to have this this engineering degree for. You just have to have a good attitude. You have to show up. You have to have a good work ethic. You have to be able to take instructions. That's right. all they're looking for. And there's a lot of people who have been displaced because of the pandemic in the restaurant business and the hospitality business. So there's just really the sense of what is going on. Why can't we find these people? Um, it's not new. I mean, when you were a, a wee lad growing up, Sean, did your and your teacher said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Did you say a packaging professional? <laughs> no, and I and and we say that a lot, and I get that. But I'm also sitting here thinking, as you said that, with like people being displaced from restaurants and jobs like that, the little difference we've always talked about, especially with um, manufacturing type, they're not necessarily low wage jobs like there's a lot of these like you said while entry level it's for a pretty good salary that could eventually you know again it leads to a career and that's the part that that still seems to be hard to get across to the public yeah actually in the study it says despite entry-level jobs in manufacturing averaged $15.55 an hour which is double the minimum federal wage they can't find people I mean, this is me just sort of thinking about what's going on. First of all, we're not telling our kids, we're telling them you can be a doctor, a lawyer, a fireman. Um, We're not telling them that you can be a machine operator. Yep. Um, and it doesn't have to be an engineer and it can be a very lucrative career, but that's the second part. These, mm-hmm. this Gen Z, this Zoom generation does not look at this as a lucrative career. They're more into playing the stock market, investing in Bitcoin and being social media influencers. So they're not even considering this seriously. So something has to happen. The other thing is I want to go back. You recently had a conversation with Tom Morrison, who, yes, yeah, he's this, expert on market disruption. And and Mm -hmm. it was fascinating to me because he was talking about, we're coming out of the pandemic, our industry is positioned for an economic boom, but how do you grow the company like 40% over the next several years when you're only adding about 5% more employees? Like, how do you do that? So obviously everybody's turning to automation and the big fear has always been automation is going to take our jobs. And I'm still saying it's not. But for some people, it might, if you'd rather collect your unemployment check than go and get in this entry level job and start to create new skill sets that are going to be actually cool because the digital transformation and the workforce 4.0 movement is meaning that people are going to not just be pulling things off an assembly line and picking place. They're going to be doing things that are a little bit more interesting. They're going to be learning about robots and artificial intelligence. And Deloitte was talking about these new personas that will depict the future versions of manufacturing roles. And that's like a digital twin engineer or a predictive supply network analyst or a robot teaming coordinator. And the, the role of a robot teaming coordinator is to train humans and robots to work together collaboratively. Like that sounds like a pretty interesting job to me. But you got to get your foot in the door first. So how do we get these people in the door? That's still a big problem that we're trying to solve. Yeah, and and I... From that conversation we had with Tom Morrison, which is available for people who want to listen to uh, previous podcasts, um, that was one of the things he, I think, highlighted pretty well was that it's changing those early or entry level type positions from you're not, like you said, putting, picking things off and putting them in a box. You're more controlling, for lack of a better word, like digital workflow, like you're controlling these now high end controls 
just by having the ability to control, you know, a cell phone because people have you, you know, this generation is so used to using computers and cell phones and stuff like that. So they can come in and they're not doing this. It's manual, but it's not manual lifting things and stuff like that. It's working these screens and stuff that that's much more of a, it paints a better picture than, you know, a dusty, dirty old manufacturing facility. Yeah, no, most definitely. And, and you know, it's not just the individuals that we have to turn to and say, why aren't you taking these jobs? We as an industry have to come together and figure out how we're going to make this industry more attractive. And, and then companies themselves have to do it because um, even though they understand they need to do this reskilling, according to this Deloitte survey, only 10% of the respondents are addressing this right now. So then I point a finger to or point a finger at like, all right, well, what about what companies doing it well? And I just did a story on Mars, the, um, the food and pet care company, and they have just teamed up with Microsoft and Accenture to create this cloud first digital infrastructure across every business segment using AI and digital twins and IoT, all the, you know, all the acronyms that we like to throw around, but they've been doing it in pockets of the organization. But now it's more of a widespread thing. But I think what's more important here to this discussion is that they're focusing on in improving the digital skills of their global workforce. You know, they're taking the time to make sure that they're being trained in this, they're putting the tools in place like Microsoft Teams and other sort of things that can help them do their job. And they're making an effort to make sure that their employees are moving forward with this digital transformation just as the company is. And that's the example that has to happen across the board, really. Yeah. And it's another thing that when, if you go, like you spoke about how, and it's true, like everyone got caught in this generation of you're going to get out of high school and you, and you have to go to college and you have to be, like you said, doctor, lawyer, et cetera, versus, you know, trade schools really being something as an option or mm-hmm. training out of high school being more of an option, which was kind of different than previous generations. And when you have someone like a Microsoft or a Mars coming to a high school or a community or junior college, painting this picture, it's it's a lot better than the versions that they were they were showing people 20 years ago, again, where you're just going into this manufacturing facility. I think these workers will recognize those names, for lack of a better word, again, as as people that they want to work alongside. I actually wanted to add on to what you were saying because there's um, other programs that are starting to pop up. Like there's this nonprofit organization called AmSkills. Right now they're in like the Tampa area and they're doing these these hands-on workshops for high school students where they'll they'll go in with bringing the teachers I think they've got a grant from the Department of Education and they'll replicate these real world scenarios of you know time clock tracking hands-on skills training and then they also offer another scenario it's more of an in-depth boot camp and this is for adults and for veterans and and they'll provide them with how to how to read a blueprint, measuring, using hand tools, working on computers, doing writing exercises, and working on the soft skills too. And the reason that they're seeing this work is because they're very strategic about where they go. They're making sure that there's a lot of manufacturers in the area first, and then they're rolling in these mobile boot camps, recruiting the people getting the manufacturers involved. And then at the end of it, they're assessing the projects and the soft skills and they're setting them up with interviews. So they're actually, you know, being a catalyst and being a bridge from the individual who's just kind of dabbling in with, yeah, I could, I could see myself doing this to then actually setting up the interview and saying, okay, well, there you go. Here's your opportunity. 
I know a little bit about it, but I didn't know as much as you just explained. And that's something to me that's fantastic. Like that's interesting because you're bringing it to kids that have no idea that this is even an opportunity. Like if, if it's in the Tampa area, there could be, you know, people in the inner city that aren't aware that there are these type of manufacturing facilities that have these, like we said, career worthy jobs. So I guess touching off of that, how is this affecting? I mean, we, we could spend an hour and even longer just talking about the issues that women have faced in the workplace and diversity in the workplace and equity and inclusion, and not only in manufacturing, but in this industry, it, it's coming along, but it's not, you know, where it is in some other industries, let's say that. So it's it's definitely something that we're working on. So I guess how has COVID affected that and, and what kind of changes or improvements, you know, I guess just give me a little bit on on what's happening with women in the workplace. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have good news there either. Um, <laughs> this is tons of fun. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm hoping we're going to turn it around. You know, we're going to be the champions of this. Um, yes. First of all, having diversity, equity, and an inclusion program is an imperative for manufacturers right now, and and they know they have to do it. And there's things that are going on, like the National Association of Manufacturers has has this pledge for action, which is basically a commitment where they go and they sign the commitment online, and then and they're saying they're going to take some tangible actions to increase equity and parity for underrepresented communities and create pathways and job opportunities, so that the goal is to reflect the diversity of the overall U.S. workforce by 2030. And this is important because having this diverse network drives business performance. And that's proven. There's an, an analysis of Fortune 500 manufacturing companies that said companies fostering diversity and building inclusive environments are more likely to have stronger financial performance. The Packaging and Processing Women's Leadership Network is dedicated to advancing women's careers in our industry by sharing information, ideas, and inspiration through digital channels and live events at our PAC Expo trade shows. Discover how PPWLN is advancing women's careers in the industry and how you can get involved at pmmi.org backslash PPWLN. And if you remember, Sean, last March at PAC Expo East in Philadelphia, we had Kelly Coyne, who's the VP of Global Women's Strategies at PAX Elevate. She oversees the PAX Elevate Global Women's Leadership Fund. And she talked about the fact that gender diverse leadership teams have better business results. So yes. that's the good news. The bad news is that the pandemic has forced more women out of the workforce. And that's not good. You know, we were making some good gender parity progress between 2015 and 2020. Women in senior VP positions grew from 23 to 28% and C-suite grew from 17 to 21%. And we can't yep. lose that momentum. Unfortunately, we are. Um, there's a new study from McKinsey and it says this COVID crisis could set women back a half a decade because one in four women are contemplating downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce completely. And many are citing childcare responsibilities. I mean, you think about it, it also said that um, more women were negatively impacted by COVID. They were more likely to get laid off or furloughed and add on to that the pressure of maybe homeschooling their kids or financial insecurity or, or the isolation of the pandemic. And now we have a problem. So um, it's, yeah, it's concerning. Yeah, it, it has to be. And I, you know, we're laughing and joking in the beginning of it, but it's serious. I mean, it's a COVID in particular has hit women harder and, and diverse groups harder and um, different ethnic groups harder. 
And I, I assume that your answer was not going to be something where this was wonderful situation for women and how they've how they've grown. So I guess what can we do or what what sort of options do we have to try to get back what we've lost and even surpass that going forward? I mean, I think it's the the normal, you know, engage with the local community and seek to hire more military and, you know, tie leadership performance to maybe to diversity, equity, inclusion metrics. Like these are all the things that, you know, organizations or folks like Deloitte are checking off. Like this is what you need to do. But I don't know the answer. I mean, if I did, I'd be very, very successful right now. Yes, you would not be on this podcast. <laughs> I would not be on this no. Talking to you right now, John. No, you would not um, be wasting your time. But you know what? We're doing stuff inside PMMI with the Packaging and Processing Women's Leadership Network, which, as you know, we're here to recruit and retain and advance women's careers in the packaging and processing industry. We've been doing it for uh, about four years now, and we have got so much great momentum going. The network is is expanding. And just recently, um, because our executive council has ended their four-year term, we've we've let some of them go if they wanted to, to move away from our organization. And we've brought new council members on. So we've added 10 new executive council members who are there to advise and, and help guide us and drive the programs based on our pillars, which are networking, communication, and alignment. Um, so we have a great mix of members now but PMI members, CPGs, and groups we're aligned with, such as the Institute of Packaging Professionals, as well as university. We have an instructor from the School of Packaging in, at Michigan State. So we have a balance of different roles of people at different stages of their careers, like emerging leader versus seasoned leader. So I think we have a really great group. We are so grateful to the council members who have helped us over the past few years. And for those who have stayed on, including our co-chairs like Sharon Gilbert, who's the CEO of Septima Tech and Jan Tharp, who's the CEO of Bumblebee Seafoods. Um, so we're grateful for all of the efforts that have happened to date. We are trying to raise the visibility of what women can accomplish in packaging and processing. And that is a reflection of the entire manufacturing industry as a whole. So we're doing our little part to um, to make sure that women are well represented in the future. Awesome. I keep thinking back to, and, and not just because you mentioned it, but those statistics that came out of the last networking event you guys had at Pack Expo East that you spoke about, where they, the numbers showed you know, a diverse... Um, executive branch or executive level with women is better. It's better for your business. It's just it's it's a fact that the numbers back up, and that's something that hopefully, as you know, we're kind of coming out of this, and we are coming out of this, that you guys can continue to push forward. So I guess how I know we've talked about it in kind of general terms, but like if I'm an OEM, I'm a I'm making packaging equipment. Like how am I helping my customers, or how can my customers help me deal with this skill shortage? Like how how are we working together? I guess as a packaging and processing community to sort of get through this? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. So I, I reflect back to the executive leadership conference back in April, the CPG panel. So we had folks from um, T. Marzetti and Schwann's company and Press Food. And of course, you know, Matt Reynolds, 
editor at Packaging World was moderating. And, you know, he had asked that question too. How can OEMs help you with the needs that you see in terms of the workforce? And they originally were just, you know, sort of talking about the things that we always talk about. We need more machine flexibility. You know, we've been hearing that for years. But surprisingly, they also asked for help training the next generation workforce on existing machines because people are retiring and they knew the machine inside and out and new people are coming on board and the OEMs will need to be re-engaged to train the next generation. That's what they're asking for. It doesn't have to be on-site. It could be virtual, like an on-demand training, just like we have on-demand streaming of TV. And you engage when you want. But the CPGs are really leaning on the OEMs to do this. And for new technology, they need help with that too. So if if there's something, obviously these machines are are getting more sophisticated, more complicated, more Mm -hmm. integrated, and they need help dealing with that. So there's going to be opportunity to to be there and um, have hands-on help. And I think, Sean, last time I was on the podcast with you, we talked about OEMs getting creative and coming to the table with some new services. And maybe it sounds far-fetched at the time, but if you can make a business case for it, the CBG will say, sure, let's try it. And you just might have a new a new revenue stream. And I'll circle back to the conversation about, you know, Tom Morrison talking about taking advantage of the marketplace disruption. You know, set your sights where you want to be in five to 10 years and then figure out how to get there. Yeah. And if, if, I mean, if we've heard it once, we've heard it a million times about, you know, it needs to be a partnership with you know, OEMs and CPGs, and it needs to be more than just a one-off, you know, buying a machine and then, you know, only talking to them when you need maintenance or something like that. It needs to evolve as we've all had to kind of evolve through this. And again, citing what he just said about, you know, the market disruption, if there is this disruption, kind of have to get through it together. Because if you try to get through it on your own, you're not going to know what everybody else is doing. And if other people are getting through it together, you're going to fall behind. That's why he basically said it is an opportunity to have a competitive advantage. Yeah, it is. So I guess, I mean, we've 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 talked longer than we should have, which usually happens when you and I start talking about this, which is great. I guess um, to wrap up, is there anything else that you want to get out there that you can share? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I guess the takeaway for me is I'm looking at this research from Deloitte and from McKinsey and just, you know, scanning the manufacturing landscape and talking to people. I think that we're so focused on the digital transformation and we're not looking closely enough at how that impacts the workforce. We're not going to replace people with automation. People are going to be working side by side with robots. There's going to be some great new job opportunities out there, but organizations have to be more flexible, just like, you know, Mm -hmm. CPGs are asking OEMs to be more flexible with the machines. Organizations have to be more flexible. They have to be more empathetic to the fact that the pandemic really did a number on, on a lot of people. They have to be flexible with their work hours and making sure they have maybe sort of a hybrid work mode for these moms that are worried about what are they going to do? They can't get back to work because maybe they have childcare issues. So there's a lot that has to be addressed moving forward. And I think we can do it. Yeah. And the interesting thing, when you, again, you say that is we are, for the most part, at least in the packaging end and then with a lot of the food and the beverage and things like that, and especially food processing, sort of did pretty well from a dollars and sense point of view throughout this pandemic, because, you know, some businesses, unfortunately, yes, were lost. But for the most part, as a whole, you know, these are all things that people needed every day. And and as an industry, it kind of thrived while the workers may have been suffering. And that is, like you said, there needs to be some empathy involved to kind of bring that around where you guys did pretty good during this. So now you might want to take that into consideration when you're you're working things out with, you know, Mm -hmm. the workforce that has helped you profit from this. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, is there anywhere where I could read anything about these type of topics? Yes, on oemmagazine.org. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much for giving us your time, Steph. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Sean. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.